We need to put some holdo maneuvers. Hello, welcome back to another Holdo Maneuver podcast episode. Uh, first one of 2024, and today we are joined by our friend Kenny Madison. Hello, sir. There. Welcome, Kenny. Gentlemen, full disclosure, and I said this in the waiting room, this is the earliest that I've been up in a very long time. Uh, consciously, that is. Consciously? <laughs> yes. Uh, is it the same state you were in when you watched Rebel Moon? We'll get into my screening experience of Rebel Moon. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm quite pleased with it. Would, would you say that the Rebel Moon is still out outside? That's how early it is? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. So before we start, I, I have a joke for you guys. Mm. Oh boy. So, what would you call it if David Bowie had ever showed you his butt? Delightful. <laughs> I mean, besides that. <laughs> I got one. It's dirty. Well, we, we don't want to get kicked off uh, YouTube. Okay. Uh, or do we? Hmm. Brown Star Man. <laughs> oh, man. Brown uh, Star Man. It's Rebel Rebel Moon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to make you feel the same way with this joke <laughs> as you did while you were watching Rebel Moon. I felt lots of things. And so with that, uh, before, actually, I'm going to I can't ask, say disappointment was a feeling I had watching Rebel Moon. So I didn't tell, <laughs> I, I didn't Expe tell. Expectations were very low and he met them. I didn't tell either of you I was going to ask you this, but I'll I'm going to ask you both to describe the movie and the events that happened it the best you can in 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Oh yes. my gosh. So, you know, the movie was two and a half hours of nonsense, right? Yes. So, <laughs> a, as detailed as you can in 60 seconds. Oh no. I want to go with what I texted you earlier. Start starting with Kenny. Oh, mean. <laughs> mean. Um, all right. So, and then Mike, yours has to be different. <laughs> It'll be different. <laughs> I'll just say what I texted you guys a couple days ago. Okay. All right. So, for a thousand generations, the king, the the royal bloodline of Mother World, uh, has been uh, benevolent rulers that have been ruling over things. But over the course of time, they have also gotten a lust for power, uh, and so because of that, uh, for some reason. The regent killed the king and queen of Mother World and has begun their tyrannical reign. Uh, Belisarius. Belisarius, the regent, has began the tyrannical reign. That's not necessarily what the movie is about. The movie is about Sophia Butella. Uh, the titular, well, the second, the part two titular scar giver. Um, and I guess the child of fire, so titular as well. <laughs> and she's uh, she farming on her little farm world because, you know, she farms. Farms that are running motif in Star Wars. Um, and Corey Stoll gets killed. Uh, she likes Corey Stoll, which is, you know, who doesn't like Corey Stoll? Paul Rudd. It gets killed by... Uh, <laughs> uh, it gets killed by Ed Screen, uh, and, who plays Atticus... Um, Finch? Atticus Snowball. <laughs> That, I think that's what his name is. Um, You're right. Oh, you know, then, I wasn't I wasn't timing this either, too, so that's on me. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and then uh, Sophia Butella motivated uh, teams up with uh, one of the most vanilla boys uh, in all of science fiction because Zack Snyder has this way of finding vanilla boys. <laughs> uh, and then proceeds to reenact the plot of Seven Samurai fairly literally. Well, not literally, but fairly to a T. Um, but with all of the character stripped out, which is unfortunate. 
the Seven Samurai good movie. And That's... then, you know, there's a, a whole bunch of other movies that he synthesizes in here to make to make his version uh, of Star Wars in the sense that that's the genesis of the project and also you look to the original Star Wars and the synthesis of all of George Lucas's influence so too is this but far less artfully Michael? <laughs> well, it's got to be different than Kenny's so my take on this is Zack Snyder sat in a chair in a room full of writers shirtless doing coke off a broadsword being like I'm going to do what I want and it's not going to make any sense mm-hmm you start off with this store. The you go onto this farming planet. First, you this obvious person who doesn't belong there, who kind of crash landed there, trying to find a way. And they're like, "Yo, so and so wants to do you tonight. So and so wants to do you tonight." In a very non-subtle way, that's how it starts off. And then they never come back to that because the mother world comes and demands tribute. Essentially, then. Someone gets bludgeoned in the face with a shillelagh. Uh, Then a weird lightsaber-esque sword comes out and kills his wife or partner or whoever that was. And then they go on a trip to find more warriors. And then you just get backstory for needless backstory upon needless backstory. And no plot, no characterization, no anything. And then the movie ends. And you're supposed to care. Look, if there's one thing that Zack Snyder is a fan of, it's Needless Backstory. <laughs> so I'm, I'm fine with backstory and flashbacks, but you can, it's just so in your face, like, this is dragging the movie down. Yeah, but Zack Snyder doesn't know that because he's a filmmaker that operates on it. So, sorry, Mark. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, I, I will begin what I was going to say with, with two things. One... Making movies is hard, and the fact this movie it is, and the fact that this movie got made, especially after when we get into the, like the development of this movie shortly, it it is kind of crazy that it actually did get made. And then two, I'm glad that it wasn't just me that I thought this after seeing the beginning of this movie because I saw Kenny's review after, and then I also shared with both of you after I saw it. <laughs> And then you both agreed. So I was like, all right. So this movie opens with... Literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to use the most the, the most technical term so as to... Begins. Yeah. Fade so in it, on. It opens with a, a shape much similar to this uh, with a phallic image going through it like that. And I was like, oh, this is just like a metaphor for this movie. It is the most... I have watched every Zack Snyder film, feature-length film. It is, far and away, the most visual wit that Zack Snyder has brought to his entire filmography. And he probably did it just because it's cool. And that's it. The, the mother world literally gave birth to this <laughs> ship. Yeah, yeah. Now, Kenny, you with your review too. It kind of it surprised me because I couldn't. Rem- I can't remember anybody's character name in this movie at all. I remember a couple. That's about it. I, I was know, like Cora, oh. Kai, and. Okay. Well, full disclosure, boys, Uh, one of the things that I enjoy, if you have listened to one of my other podcasts, uh, primarily Trek Wars Pod, I like to do research, and so, just as a refresher, of course I picked up uh, what is available on Hoopla Digital, your library, your friendly library app, and I checked out the first issue of the Rebel Moon tie-in comic book. Which covers uh, the Blood Axe family, uh, otherwise known as Ray Fisher and the other girl's name. <laughs> and the uh, other girl. And I only remember the Blood Axe siblings uh, because that's the. Well, it sounds cool. It's simple. 
uh, and did that. And then I began reading the novelization Rebel Moon Part 1 A Child of Fire last oh, night uh, as well and checked that out from my other library app, Libby, and um, in true Snyder fashion, of course, I, the first 50 pages uh, were about something that was not in the movie. <laughs> and side note to that, they're apparently going to release a longer director's R-rated cut of yes. this. Which this wasn't R-rated. Which no, it's PG thirteen. And which if they're going to do that, and this is already on Netflix, why not just release that version to begin with? Because that's his mo. I'm going to release something you're going to hate it, and I'm going to tell you my version's better, and then release that, and it's not going to be much different. I think ultimately it boils down to. Zack Snyder is a filmmaker that works in one way, which is what is cool, and he thinks that he thinks it's cool that director's cuts are there, and that's it. And so he gets to do, he gets to play out the narrative that is cool for him, which is the theatrical cut, the director's cut, the theatrical cut, and the director's cut. Right. It's just make a better movie to start with. Mm-hmm. So, I understand making movies is very hard. And congratulations for getting there, but you don't got to run around. If you're doing if it's a marathon, you don't got to run the marathon punching people in the face as you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be as hard as you're making it. Oh, man. So, with the, for the development of this, uh, Kenny already kind of said it, too. So, Rebel Moon is inspired by the works of Akira Kurosawa, the Star Wars films, and and apparently heavy metal magazines, which I can <laughs> I can see that. Uh, uh, Snyder also initially conceived the idea f- for the film in college, which also I can see that with what the opening of the movie was. Oh my gosh! That um, before so much sense. <laughs> and so this was like initially back in 1997. It sounds like so Snyder then pitched it as a Star Wars film, which is why we are talking about it on the Holden Maneuver. <laughs> to Lucasfilm shortly after Lucasfilm was sold to Walt Disney uh, back in 2012. A whole 12 years ago now. Uh, he also pitched his idea as both a video game and a film to Warner Brothers a quote a couple of times. Um, the project was at one point planned as an original television series by Snyder and producer Eric Newman before pitching it as a film to Netflix. Um, so then following concerns from Netflix Films chairman Scott Stuber that the project would underperform due to its length, Snyder, unwilling to lose all the character, decided to split <laughs> split the two split the film into two parts. <laughs> what character? <coughs> or didn't put it all one of the two. No, he did. You saw the beginning. We put it in. <laughs> All right. Um, also, I was trying... out, Mark. No. <laughs> this guy. He's gonna... um... No. No. I refuse to go to tie out. So, I don't. I don't remember what the character's name is. But so the one that fights the the spider from Doctor Who. So you know the scene where they're like the. The one oh, with that do. weird hat that you kind of block in her face with your picture? Yes, played by uh, Bay Duna. Yeah. Uh, she, so she, she reminded me, uh, if anyone's ever seen Kubo and the Two Strings, remember the like the, the characters that were after Kubo and that? She kind of, like her costume kind of reminded me. You know, do you guys know what I'm talking about? No. Can't say I do. She started to remind me there's an anime, and I don't know the name of it, they have like I don't know if they wear a mask or their face is just white with little dot eyes and like red streaks underneath their eyes. Don't know what uh, it's called. Your son would know, Mark. The the character's name uh, is Nemesis. Yeah, that's obviously. Obviously. <laughs> and she has like steel blades that she can superheat just by holding them. Yeah, but. Yeah, and like she's fighting this like big spider lady at one point, which to me uh, just looked exactly. Yes, yeah. This is who I was talking about from Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, 
She kind of look just looks like this character That's correct. on the two strings. Yes. Um, for people who's, just the, who's the character in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas that has that hat? The mayor? Yeah. <laughs> But that's yeah, it yeah. So that's that's <laughs> people just listening. Uh, look up the sisters from Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, th- that's what I was uh, referencing there. But and then yeah, she fights. She's like fighting the spider. That if if anyone's watched Doctor Who, it's it was during the David Tennant era, and I, th- I believe it was a, an episode that had Donna Noble in it, and but it was like this like big spider lady that he's fighting and it's like almost the exact same design where it's like the torso of like a human from like torso up and then you know spider body around it looks almost wow. exactly exactly the same so i was like did they just get that design from it feels Doctor like Who? there's some hardcore borrowing from lots of yeah there's a hippo there's a hippogriff movie. in this yep. there's uh, the spider person yeah, so they, they there's the, John Carter. There's well, John Carter itself is already <laughs> kind of a story that is that influenced Star Wars, which makes me made me feel bad for that movie when it came out because they were like, oh, this movie's so derivative. Actually, this story is what inspired all those other stories that you liked <laughs> that you watched, but it came out after them um, and did poorly. Yeah, oh, I like John Carter. Um, that's a different movie, though. but the. Now, what was, what's, what's the name of, Rebel of the Moon dude? Moon is the movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, that she, it's just that, easy to just. Uh, is, is Ray, Ray Fisher's the one that, like, passed the tame, the hippogriff, right? No, that is not Ray Fisher. Who's, okay. Uh, that is uh, Tarak, played by Stasnair. Okay. Stasnair. So, yeah, Tarak. It's hard for me to remember the names of these characters, but what Snyder always has in his back pocket is making things that stand apart visually so I can see all of these characters. <laughs> I just can't um, remember any of these characters, uh, which is wild. I, I don't think that I'm nearly as negative on this movie as, as y'all are. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. And also, it's just on such a curve in comparison to the rest of Snyder's filmography, which I, 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 I truly do not like. I do not have fun. But like the sadist that I am, and the completionist that I am, I, I feel obligated to finish it because I want to understand the, the, the force of nature that is the Snyder phenomenon. Uh, <laughs> it, it, is, it is so fascinating. Uh, He's... He's the modern day Michael Mann, or Michael Bay, not Michael Mann. Michael Bay. Ooh, that might be an interesting Freudian slip, <laughs> um, be- because much like Michael Mann, who interrogates masculinity in, cer- in interesting ways, Zack Snyder has such an interesting relationship, not necessarily with interrogating masculinity, uh, but creating imagery and narratives that appeal so much to the most powerful uh, base levels of certain masculinity that exists within our society. A.K.A. the Snyder Bros. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what's it, what's it like to just come in and nail it? <laughs> you mean kind of like that spaceship going through the, the portal at the beginning yeah. of the movie? You just you dry that well up. Hey, that that well wasn't that that dry one that spaceship went through it at the beginning of the movie. Jesus, we've gone, we've degraded. I'm I'm being very subtle about it so as to not be Are right, you on though? The, right on the nose about it because if I was right on the nose about it, that would get this video taken down. But I'm being subtle. There's subtlety to it, much like a lot of the things in this movie. There wasn't subtlety to it. What was unfortunate about the ship? There were literally right? space Nazis. What was unfortunate about the ship entering the wormhole is that it attempted to enter the wormhole, but it required electronic aid uh, <laughs> in order to just kind of open the wormhole in the first place. You guys remember the spaceships in Man of Steel? I did not until I saw the GIF afterwards. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> 
I just I I, I've seen the pictures. Yeah. I just I need to know. I I need Snyder to literally hold my hand and just walk me through every single choice <laughs> of every one of his movies. And I feel like it would just boil down to I thought it was cool, or I thought it was funny. But yeah, the bad guys in this are literally that's like, quite literally quite, just Nazi quite literally space Nazis. Yeah. I mean, there's no no subtlety with their casting. I mean, you you could just call them stormtroopers. Which, what subtlety? Subtlety is overrated. I am I am a, fa- a fan of blunt filmmaking, and also so there's Kevin Smith. Very good, Mark. Uh-huh. This is early morning, Mark. <laughs> Just nothing but singers. Um, Your brain's firing on all cylinders. Yeah, by the by the by the end of the day, the the life has worn me down. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but like, I'm a, I'm a fan of blunt filmmaking, uh, unsubtle filmmaking, and also I do not think that Snyder possesses. Snyder's strengths are in simple stories, however, in interviews and just in his filmography, it is very clear that his natural predilections are not towards stripped-down, straightforward storytelling. He is incredibly interested in the uh, in, in the presentation of lore and the cool images without necessarily understanding what the function is yeah and like so going off that like the review that i wrote you said on letterboxd it's like i did two and a half stars yeah um but i and i wrote in there too making movies is hard making movies Uh, is hard it's true um i said zack snyder is a great director of photography and a good director but really needs to let other people write his films Yeah. This definitely felt like a beat sheet movie. Like they didn't finish the script. They just said, "Okay, we have this, 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 and this. We're just gonna film these and hope they tie together." Because his movies always look really good. Like, and this, I guess, this part of this was shot on the volume too. Which someone, like one of my friends, said, "It's like, oh, the CG was really good." And I was like, I think part of it was shot on the volume because yeah. you can kind of tell, like, in some of the scenes there. But, um, which I. Th- I- I will say Snyder has been his own DP for the last two movies that he has done. Yeah. Uh, the or also Netflix. Truly dreadful Army of the Dead. Winner of an Oscar. <laughs> kind of. You're just such a good guy, Mark. Uh... <laughs> it's kind of born an Oscar, I think. Yeah. Um... Much like David Ayer's The Suicide Squad. Uh, not the... Just David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Drop uh, the duh. It's cleaner. Um, I feel like this movie doesn't look great. I mean, there's some cool visuals. Like I like like the backdrop of Saturn. Or whatever planet that was. But that was, like, that was really your, it. That was Uranus. That's blue. Well, so is Uranus. Fire. Exactly. That tree in my backyard sneaking up. Speaking of things that are blue, going back to the hippogriff scene, that scene (laughs) reminded me a lot of Avatar, uh, when Jake basically has to, you know. Well, one of the bounty hunters was a Navi Urukai hybrid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, so there, there's a hippogriff in this. So we got Harry Potter. We got Avatar with him taming the hippogriff. That's much like Jake doing that with on Pandora. Uh, well, Harry Potter also has to like bow and wait for yeah. the hippogriff to bow. I was just waiting for that to happen. Well, he's, and then we also had Lord of the Rings of the Urukai. Uh, um, Charlie Hunnaman is both kind of Strider, aka uh, era the Dark Rider. Gorn. I'm, I'm, I always almost say that he's the dragon Aragorn. Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> um, Slash Han Solo, but spoiler alert. Slash Lando Calrissian. Yeah, yes. But spoiler alert. 
is a bad guy that is not redeemed whatsoever. Doesn't have any chance of being redeemed because. Uh, but, but is he dead? Because he no, hit him here. Got, you're telling he me really that did. I could be deprived of a future Charlie Hutton performance? I guess maybe no. he couldn't. Maybe he might not be dead because I also thought the main bad guy was dead by the end of this movie, and apparently. He, get naked, he got, the he got Frankensteined <laughs> and put into like uh, an embryonic fat. Yeah, like amniotic fluid and <laughs> just got zapped and brought back. Well, because... and, and now he's got scars that were given to him by the scar giver. Ooh, Michael. Michael. Did you think about that? Just think about how he's got scars by the scar giver, Michael? <laughs> You think about I thought that? about how during that scene I heard Darth Vader breathing. Yeah. A lot. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. As you do. Yeah. Also, Anthony Hopkins was a. It's the voice. Okay. I didn't look C3, it up. I think it sounded. Was a C3PO. IG88 uh, looking droid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What. what what did you guys think about that? So, like, at first I was like, oh, okay, they, they just paid Anthony Hopkins to narrate the beginning of this movie instead of doing, like, a Star Wars, you know, opening scrawl, which was basically... That was my first thought, was, like, this is the opening scrawl, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Which, now, if you had a narrator doing those in Star Wars, I was like, wow, this would make opening of Star Wars movies much more boring. Yes. Which it did. If you... If you had someone just reading it, like if you read yeah. it to yourself and it's got cool John Williams music playing as you're like reading and it's like going over st- stars. Oh God, and the like music just... in this was just so perplexing to me. Snyder thinks the answer, the answer to every one of your question is why did it happen? Because it's cool. Because <laughs> it's cool. Because it's cool. Because he likes it. That's why. <sighs> I just don't know how. Because it's cool. He grew up with it. It's cool. That's why. That's why. That's why he did it. But as far as the droid goes, that was an interesting concept that they have this king that died and the droids were just like, we're slaves now. We're just no life. We're lifeless. We don't care about anything. You can do what you want to us. What was what was so interesting about that performance, because I do think that Anthony Hopkins as the droid Jimmy, at least according to IMDB, um, and the touching performance that he gives with um, our surrogate princess uh, down on the <laughs> planet of Velt. And that's a touching performance. And, and, and Anthony Hopkins, it's hard for him to, even whenever he is phoning it in, quite literally here, considering that's a voiceover <laughs> performance. But th- there's just a natural um, legality to it. There's just a natural gravitas that is brought. But like in the background, you can hear him talking with his bank supervisor, being like, "Just put this into checking, please. <laughs> put this." And the check 20, cleared, right? Twenty five. Yeah, the check. I would have put twenty five percent of this into savings. <laughs> Which is wild that they left it in. <laughs> Do we think something weird is going on with that that character too? Because like, there's like this. Dro- there's droid like one of the, yeah, like one of the last shots of this movie. So like, when they leave, he's got you know like the flower crown on that she gave to him, and then like we see him like kind of like because it feels like a like a weird ominous shot too. Like, did this did this town become like a like a weird midsummer uh, kind of like cult? after after they left so because he's got like the like deer antlers now he's ready for war those were his war antlers i mean which is on one of the posters i think for this is like his character like wearing the deer antlers um but i was like what what's happening here i mean the rest of seven samurai has to happen uh because we haven't gotten the actual siege of the town you mean the rest of a bug's life Mark, you as per usual, of... you're correct. Yeah. You, you mean the rest be... of the Magnificent Seven? Yeah. That'd be so wonderful if Zack Snyder was like, well, I was really influenced. Just a big by red, a big Robin comes in. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's a spaceship that looks like a robin. Yeah. And well, then part just like of Kevin Spacey, just dressed like a grasshopper. So, because we had a well, spider a lady, just, so having, just having Kevin Spacey as a gra like a grasshopper guy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's time for him to be brought back. I think <laughs> as it's a time. grasshopper. Yeah, that's right. He, he, he doesn't. He doesn't talk though. He just gets. He just. He's just doing it for exposure. He exposed himself too much. <laughs> too much exposure for Kevin Spacey. That's right. Yeah, and unfortunately can't have Christopher Plummer come in and replace it. Not anymore. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we had speaking of grasshoppers. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the characters in this I like I said I, I they're I there yes I can only remember their well not even remember their names I can only find out what their names are or if I look them up because I I was watching this movie and I can't, like I can't recall like what some of the stuff was that even like happened in it like I knew it. I knew situationally uh what their what what their names were in the moment uh but yeah if I if I didn't read the tie-in comic. The first of four issues last night, which is so thrilling, and then start of the novelization last night, I wouldn't remember that the main character's name is Atticus Noble. Uh, on the nose. On I mean, the she's, nose. She's very noble. So I'm, fine, I'm fine with. I'm fine much with like, on the nose. I'm good like with Donna on the nose. From Doctor Who is also noble. That's true. Yeah, you would never. Oh, that was Carrie El. El oh, wow. Yeah, was, I didn't know that. Yeah. Fun fact this is actually a sequel to The Princess Bride. There you go. That's what yeah. happens after it becomes the king. He goes on to be the scar giver. No, that's Sophia Butella. An actress that I really. Who will become a mummy? She's a mummy. She's a mummy. She's not a mummy. She's yeah. the titular mummy. She's, She's the scared. Mummy. She made Tom Cruise. Run. Why would they Because he doesn't. Run. He doesn't normally do that in movies. He never runs. But she made him run. <laughs> it is pretty rare. Uh, a, a presence so bone chilling that it brought the dark universe to its knees. Sophia Vitella's portrayal of the mummy. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. She's an actress that I really like. I'm glad to see her pop up here. I just wish it was in service of better material. Um, also, this is still the second highest rated Zack Snyder movie that I have in, in my list of Zack Snyder rankings. <laughs> What's the first? It's, um, it's Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul. Mark can agree with that. Yeah, Legends of the Guardians is a good movie. Because it's a simple, stripped down narrative, and then <laughs> no pretense of working with actors, and instead Zack Snyder gets work out all of his directing things that he loves to do in animation and I'm just like there with we owls. go you found with owls you with found your medium there you go I really he should make more animated movies yeah I mean half of this movie is already animated anyways I was gonna say most of his movies are animated yeah live action yeah but uh, my my wife brought something up too, and this was that the so the I believe it was the what was the name Kenny? What was the name of the bad guy? Atticus Noble, played by Ed Screen, who I think is doing actual good work in this movie. And I was just like, you are Ed Screen, you're popping. Right, and then <laughs> what was the name of the the farmer that was with Gunner? Sophia Batella? Gunner. Gunner. All right, so believe both of those characters or both of those actors played the same character on Game of Thrones. No. They were the the heck's his name? The the like the, the, the dude that was with uh Daenerys for a while. Oh. So 
Look it up. Oh my it, gosh. Yeah. According to Ed Screen's IMDb, he was not in Game of Thrones. According Wait. to Ed Screen's IMDb, he There it is. I just didn't scroll episodes. down for this. I got hung up that he was Ajax in Deadpool. Oh yeah. Notably. Wow. Yeah, okay. Francis. So that's definitely why that's definitely why Zack Snyder cast at least uh, Michelle Huisman. But I, I, after she pointed that out, I just thought it was funny anytime they were in a, a scene together. I was like, you just need to get Quora in here from from Solo. And we had Quora in here from Rebel Moon. Quora, Quora <laughs> with a Q, <laughs> not with a K. Oh, man. What did you think about that blatant cantina scene ripoff in this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you guys think about Zack Snyder in the hole? On the hole. Not in the, hole. the hole. That's the way that the movie starts. <laughs> you know, what I will say about that scene, though, in the cantina, is that I was like, this is actually a progressive scene in this. <laughs> In a way, it was because he I, starts talking about what he's talking about. And yeah, because I was like, you, you think... know, normally this would be like some scummy dude doing this to a lady in the movie, but and he full on grabs. He's like, a handful he's like, yeah, I'm a big a gunner. I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones, and it's weird that he <laughs> says that in the movie. I'm just yeah. like, this pulls me out of the reality. Yeah, just like what he was trying to do in that that episode in that scene. To Gunner, um, but yeah, I was like, wow, this is actually kind of kind of progressive for like this this movie. I wonder if this will upset some of the the Snyder Bros watching this <laughs> that this happened. That explains why you uh, tweeted out uh, hashtag uh, Girl Boss Lay, Rebel Moon. It's true. Cora Queen, Cora is my queen. So long hashtag TV Fear Mart. Yeah, I think it went you... just to the character limit. Yeah. But the, you mean that Elon character... didn't charge for a character yet? No, although he probably could have been one of the space Nazis in this movie, though, too. So yeah. it looks pretty similar. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> to answer the question on what I think of Zack Snyder, he has talent. I think he's going to do what he's going to do. He's now, like I said, Michael Bay. Mm -hmm. That's that's he keeps getting work. His movies are never that good. Zack Snyder's going to keep getting work. You're going to get the same thing, just with a different story each time. Mm -hmm. Because he's going to do what he's going to do. And you're either gonna, it's either going to be okay or terrible. Yeah, and it's it never has, blown me away. As opposed to Michael Bay, too, Zack Snyder actually seems like a generally like nice person yes. that happens to just have a... He's an artist, I guess you can say that. Or Yeah, like that happens to, I guess, just have people drawn to him that aren't necessarily the best of people for yeah. whatever reason. But like, whereas like where I've offhandedly heard about people that have worked on sets with Michael Bay is that he's not like a, I'll just say allegedly, cause I don't want to like, you know, i just that he's not like a good dude. Yeah. Um, but like Zack Snyder just se seems like he's, generally like like can make fun of himself too because like he he showed up as himself on teen titans go making fun <laughs> of himself there he was, speaking of Zack snyder in animation he Aww. wanted uh he was on that ma making fun of himself in there and then i almost feel like he would have had to sign off on it for it to show up on it but like on the one i don't remember what season it was uh, but on the harley quinn animated series there's a it's also relevant to this show too because there's two shirts in the scene uh there's two very snyder bro ish uh characters in the scene that we're watching essentially the framing of that episode was them watching an episode of harley quinn and then like commentating on it and one of the shirts that people the dudes had on one was one said the release the snyder cut on it and then the other shirt said the last jedi isn't canon <laughs> isn't canon nice yeah, so that's why I said it's it's relevant to a a podcast called the Holdem Maneuver, um, but yeah, so like I feel like he would have had to sign off, I guess, probably on that with maybe not, but because it had his name and it, maybe he would have had to. But 
don't know. Um, like I said, I, I feel like if he had other people writing the movies that... Like, if he had, like, a writing partner, maybe? Except uh, when, when he does have other folks writing stuff, it... it I mean, just to get... He has not demonstrated he necessarily is understanding filmmaking language in order to best translate the meanings of the script versus just allowing his own just desires for whatever the heck is just the coolest to take to take precedent um the dawn of the i mean all of his movies are politically weird <laughs> <laughs> and I, I i think that's politically i mean both in terms of the political climate and also literally just what his viewpoint on the world is um and what each film is is stating I, I i think you need only look at his watchman adaptation uh which boy if i remember correctly snyder might have screenplay credit on that um but was originally credited to i think david hater and alex say yeah and he doesn't have any screenplay credit on our our favorite Zack Snyder movie, Legends of the Guardian, Owls of Gahul. <laughs> and I think that movie works so well because it's the stripped down hero's journey type things. And Snyder works best whenever you take away his favorite things of lore and subtext. Um, because I don't think that he understand he understands that those things are cool, but I don't think he understands the function of why those things are cool in order to successfully dramatize those things um rebel moon is star wars well in the genesis of how the heck this project came along as well as freaking following the george lucas ethos of i am synthesizing all of the things that i loved as a child yeah. into this thing um he's just doing that again here but it just makes Star Wars yet again even more that much more of a miracle because that movie works and doesn't right. feel like a disparate collection of things that you recognize. And instead, every single thing here is like, oh, that's Star Wars. Oh, that's Seven Samurai. Oh, that's Terminator. Oh, that's The Matrix. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Harry Potter. Oh, that's Conan. Um, it it is. Which is, yeah, there, there's this weird status quality that I have attached to it because every single time I'm like, maybe I have, I, I want to pull for the guy. Um, and also, he just keeps having chances and I'm constantly underwhelmed. And also, Sean Spicer was an Army of the Dead as an actor. And it was just like, come on, man. <laughs> anyways that's my that's that's my screed uh and also i saw rebel moon in a theater oh which, man uh so my full my no my, escape hmm you had no escape i had no escape they locked the doors uh the the, the mother world had posted the, their soldiers at every exit um <laughs> I saw this in the best way possible, and yeah, that first that first image popped up <laughs> with the ship, and I I, I loudly cackled. Um, and then everyone turned around, and I was like, "What?" Luckily, I was in my favorite seat, which is uh, the middle back. seat, front row. Oh, there you go. I'm a front row sitter. Oh, so you must were you at an Alamo? I was at an hour. Okay, yeah, because their their front row is for everyone that doesn't know is like the fourth row for every other theater. Yeah. 
So it's you're not like you're not on the bottom of the screen looking straight up. Which yeah. which is how I watched John Carter the first time, and in three D. I watched Wish recently. Ooh, oh, man. bad. The only the besides watching the movie, I eventually watched it again. The only good thing that happened at that screening was that I got to meet Andrew Staten and talk to him. So, so, so that that was. Other than having to sit in the the very front row to watch a 3D movie, which doesn't help 3D because you're not far enough away to... But, yeah, that's yeah. a bad time. Yeah. You had, objectively, a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Andrew Stanton, you met a director of a Star Wars thing. That's true. Who had not done Star Wars yet. Well, also also right, a right. director of a Stranger Things. Who had not yet? Who had not yet directed a Stranger Things? Maybe he's directing it now again, because didn't they start making those finally? Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. They just started filming season five. Um, and also the this going back to the Doctor Who spider in this that was apparently Jenna Malone. <laughs> yes. Which Jenna Malone's? Awesome. I don't know why I said it like I, that. Because she saved you. Well, there's your second Hunger Games tie-in. Yeah, also. Oh yes, also in Hunger Games. She's in all of Snyder's things too, because that's that's his carryover, which is cute. I like it. It's adorable. I did like that Carrie Elvis was in this too. I was just like, oh cool, that's Carrie Elvis. Yeah, I didn't even realize that until I looked on IMDb just now. Although I'm wondering if there's going to be more flashbacks or backstory in the second. Oh yeah, there will be. You're wondering. In a Zack Snyder movie, <laughs> there's gonna be more backstory. Well, because either in that R-rated director's cut, there's gonna be more Carrie Ellis in that, or there's yeah. gonna be more of him in part two. Because I was like, that feels weird that you hire Carrie Ellis to be in this movie, and then he, he technically well, how many doesn't parts really... is this? Do we know? I think it's only supposed to be. It's one movie kind of split into two, basically. Um, yeah. Because I was like, that seems kind of weird to, to cast Carrie Elvis. And then, like, even his scene where, like, he has lines, it kind of segues into to her saying his lines. So I was like, this kind of, like, weird, like, mesh of that. I was like, huh, get Carrie Elvis. And then, like, doesn't... He had a beard in one scene. <laughs> Which Carrie Elvis with a beard looked pretty... Also, Corey Stahl with a beard... Uh, kind of looks like Graham McTavish. And people who don't know Graham McTavish is he was one of he's well he was in Outlander, um, but he was also what else was he's all he was in House of the Dragon, uh, and he was also uh, one of the dwarfs in or no not yeah in in the Hobbit trilogy. But they look very similar once Corey Stahl has a beard. So that kind of bummed me out that Corey Stahl got literally <laughs> beat to death like what, like with a shillelagh? Yeah, fifteen minutes into the movie. Also, that shillelagh looked like a like a like a bone. bone. Yeah, yeah, it looked like like the ball and socket. Like it was like a like he had taken someone's femur and bronzed it, and then it was like I'm gonna use this as my weapon. Well, then, okay, speaking of the shillelagh, in the fight between... sentence you never thought you'd say. Speaking of the shillelagh. Atticus and Korra on that, like, platform, didn't she break it and then, like, two seconds later it's intact and he's using it again, and then she breaks it a second time? Hmm. Maybe? Gosh, gosh, I hope (laughs) Like, Look, I think the only way that we can really answer that question is by watching the movie again. So let's all I can just fast forward to that part. No, I think we have to watch it, watch the whole thing, just to really... I'll wait for the Snyder cut. Yeah. That's just going to be a thing from now on, is that there's just going to be like a Snyder cut of every movie that he does. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though technically it's cool. this movie is the Snyder cut, too. Well, I mean, Zack Snyder, since Dawn of the Dead, there have been revised versions of his movies. Yeah, also... Yeah, Lucas kind of does it, too. Dawn of the Dead being one of his better movies... Because he just directed it, and you know who wrote that? James Gunn. Yeah. A so good you, you get a good writer, and you get a good <laughs> visual director, and you put them together, you get a good 
movie. Well, also, Zack Snyder's visual eye kind of got broken with 300. Uh, like, all, yeah, all of his movies kind of look like 300. Yeah, once he did that, yeah. like, that's why 300, I feel, is such a big success. Was It did well, nothing that looked like that prior. Except he was just doing what Sin City did. Yeah. <laughs> True. True. Frank, he basically is like, Frank Miller, I'm going to do that. And that's also probably also why he still wants to do uh, The Dark Knight Returns as a movie. But he can't. Honey, <laughs> he can't do that. He tried to. Twice. Yeah, he already kind of did that version of Batman with Batfleck. He made well, Ben Affleck Batman. <laughs> I was just thinking about like his Watchmen, which so missed the point of what it's about, but like it technically looks like the comic, but like you missed the point. Like the Damon Lindelof TV show is such a radically better adaptation of the source material. Uh, and it's a sequel that barely touches on with the actual source material of the, of the book. Um, because Zack Snyder just, I, he, he is such a superficial filmmaker, and I don't, I don't mean that as pejorative. He he is excellent at making cool images, but the moment that you try to assign a scene to scene meaning, then it begins to fall apart. Which is why, I mean, he's as successful as a music video director prior to his theatrical. Uh, output, why it's easy for 300 to work because he's literally doing the comic and that story is already stripped all the way down. Um, Dawn of the Dead is successful because he wasn't using his normal bag of tricks. <laughs> that would happen later in his career uh, and instead it's a little bit more of a journeyman lens that is being taken to that the script is able to sink just a little bit more yeah Dawn of the Dead was actually his directorial debut for as far as like a feature film yeah and 300 was then his second movie yeah, yeah so Dawn of the, yeah, was... the original Dawn of the Dead is a satirical masterpiece and his Dawn of the Dead it's a completely different beast, but it still it still functions, which you can't say about the rest of his filmography. Yeah. I can't say. You could. Other people could. And I bet there are some educated folks out there who'd be able to be like, you know, here's why it functions this way. But like No. <laughs> no. Nah. Just, he's fascinating. He's a fascinating figure to me. Also, fun fact, on Netflix, you can now uh, have your profile with a Zack Snyder avatar. The first director the, the first director to have a avatar option on Netflix. Now, like, there's Does that make every where, movie on Netflix look like one of his movies, then? I mean, there's been Martin Scorsese movies on Netflix. I mean, you could you could add a Martin Scorsese the Avatar in there at one point too. Glass Onion. Yeah, you could add Ryan Johnson. Famously, we love Ryan Ryan Johnson because you know the whole maneuver. You could have a Ryan Johnson <laughs> Avatar on there. So, uh, the the part two of this mm -hmm. will come out uh, later April. this year in, in April. I'm assuming maybe they'll wait to release like the I don't know like the directors, or they'll do it on the same day as the part yeah. two, <laughs> or maybe they'll like uh, they'll release them as like one long ass movie. <laughs> it's just like the entire thing, seven hour movie. Yeah. 
Uh, that would be uncut. That, yeah, that would. I'm like yeah, that how, spaceship. How long would that be? I mean, considering that Seventh Samurai is well over three hours, I want to say that it's close to four. It's uh, 207 minutes with intermission. So, yeah, that's uh, three hours, 27 minutes. We'll, we'll see what happens in the, the part two of this, too. Also, uh, before we close, I will say that if you watch the ultimate cut of Watchmen that has, like, details of the Black Friday, like, <laughs> Not even in, the Snyder cut? The weaved into it. Cut? Yeah. Weaved into it so that it's, like, like verbatim, like, how the the comic was. And then you take... How many did I do? Four uh, edibles? Sylvie has, is here to, to commentate on that, too. Hello, puppy! Um, and you take four edibles, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. You, you want some edibles, Sylvie? No, you can't have any. Um, <laughs> she didn't agree with that. Um, but you then... T Sylvie's actually been here the entire time. She's right there in the background. Um, here. Come All right. Um, so, and then, yeah, you take... Hi, hi. Is it walk time? Yeah. <laughs> and then you you take four edibles and you watch the ultimate cut of Watchmen. You'll feel like Doctor Manhattan with all space and time happening <laughs> at the same time. Because I, I did that for a podcast that won't be named anymore because it doesn't deserve to be named anymore. Uh, but I did that like a few years ago. And if you can figure out which one it was on and you can find that episode, uh, you can hear me progressively because i recorded myself for that episode as an experiment watching it <laughs> progressively yeah. getting further into it <laughs> and that's that's all that was that that was that is all a you'll way, say about that a way to an experience uh, a Zack snyder movie is, is all i'll say <laughs> anyways kenny where can people find you online <laughs> you can find me uh over on blue sky at track wars pod uh and at my podcast, the Trek Wars podcast, where we cover, we are covering both the Star Trek and Star Wars franchises in chronological release order. Uh, we just recover. Uh, we just recorded our Trouble with Tribbles, uh, bringing up Narky episode. Nice. Uh, we are two episodes away from finishing Star Wars Ewoks, and we are then back to the movies, which I'm thrilled about. As is my co-host <laughs> with the host Aspen. Uh, you can find that over at trekwarspod.com. Uh, and if you live in the Austin, Texas area, I'm doing comedy all the time. Um, it's embarrassing, but you can find me on Facebook, too. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, no, Michael, I said it was embarrassing. <laughs> Good old Facebook. You can find Michael Soren on Facebook too. Just make sure you look for the one with the J in in the profile. <laughs> you can follow the other one. You're looking for some good spelling mistakes, and yeah, I'll say then you'll see the di the dichotomy between the two. And some mm. some racist conversations. Hey, I'm just glad that you're watching my Facebook, Michael. I don't even barely don't even watch my Facebook. So uh -huh. to be thankful, I watch yours. Uh, looks like the director's cut will be released at some point in the summer. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. They'll wait until like both of the parts are out until they do that. Mm -hmm. But so for the Holden maneuver, uh, the other places you can find us is also we're also on Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Holdopod. Um, You're there everywhere. Just like Roy Kent. Uh, you can, we now also have holdapod.com. And for people that, that, that one's for people that can't spell maneuver. Um, but we also <laughs> have hold, holdamaneuver.com too. So we have both. And I was surprised that Disney didn't, old, didn't own holdamaneuver.com. So I'm glad that we got it. <laughs> but, so we got holdamaneuver.com and holdapod.com. So that one will just take you straight to the YouTube channel. Um, and then Mike and I are also on Twitter and Instagram and Blue Sky and also on Facebook. <laughs> um, there you um, go. But yeah, 
And then you can email us at holdapod at gmail.com. But as always, we are grateful to Zack Snyder for creating the Rebel Moon universe. Are we, though? Oh, dear. Thank the maker. <laughs> <laughs>